Hi everyone, welcome to the HVMN Research Roundup. I'm your host, Dr. Brianna Stubbs. Before I joined HVMN, I completed my PhD in metabolism at the University of Oxford, along with rowing for Great Britain at the world level. One of the best things about my job right now is that I can stay up to date with the latest science literature. In our research roundup, we're going to be taking a look at some of the most topical and interesting things that I found down the rabbit hole of the science literature. I'll walk you through how the experiments were conducted, discuss the results, and then share my thoughts on the study and the subject as a whole. This week, we're going to talk about the culprit behind a news story that generated something of a health controversy in the news recently. What do you think the papers touted as the next food ready to knock years off your life? This time it's not cakes, it's not soda, it's not red meat, it's not alcohol, it's the humble egg. Now, I took this attack a little to heart because I personally adore eggs. I'd say I eat eggs at least three days a week, either scrambled with some avocado and a good grind of sea salt and pepper for breakfast, or else in a hearty omelette stuffed with melted cheese and leaves on the side as a quick and nutritious dinner if I get home late in the evening. Back in the day when I was a lightweight rower, my crew and I were often the butt of jokes because we'd take about six boiled eggs each from the breakfast bar as snacks for the rest of the day. Although maybe that's got something to do with the kind of eggy smell that followed us around. I'm also ashamed to say that we used to break up the eggs, eat the whites and then throw out the yolks because there were too many calories there to keep us at the 10% body fat that we needed to be. Anyway, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit now. Back to the research. It's probably best to get context by sharing some of the headlines that the media's run amok with. Three or more eggs a week increases your risk of heart disease and stroke. Another type of headline trended towards the somewhat hysterical, new study confirms that eggs are stroke in a shell. And another sums up the confusion that we're all probably feeling right now. Superfood or stroke risk? What is the truth about eggs? Reading the outpouring of sensationalism really cracked me up. For years, eggs have been held up as a powerhouse of nutrition. This reputation has been due to eggs' exceptional nutritional profile as a nutrient-dense food containing high-quality protein and a substantial amount of many essential vitamins and minerals. Eggs have quite a high nutrient density in proportion to their energy content, and also they're very economical for the general population. Eggs contribute only a small amount, under 2% of the total calories in the American diet, but substantial amounts of protein, folate and riboflavin, as well as a number of other nutrients. Eggs are a good source, meaning 10 to 19% of the daily value of six nutrients and an excellent source, over 20% of the daily value of five others. Few foods are as nutrient dense and eggs are among the few food sources of vitamin D and K. Other nutrients in eggs include vitamins A, D, E, B12, folate, zinc, iron, lutein and choline. Anyway, the fact that non-consumers of eggs were more likely to fall short of the recommended daily allowance for vitamins A, E, and B12 demonstrates the important role that eggs can play in ensuring nutritional adequacy. Let's get a bit more background on some of these other compounds. So lutein is a carotenoid, which is an antioxidant-like compound that has been shown to help in the prevention of macular degeneration, a leading cause of blindness in the elderly. Another less familiar nutrient in eggs is choline a compound which is critical for brain and memory development in utero and in early life. The egg is the latest in a long line of foods to evoke consumer fear, with the discovery that they were also a source of dietary cholesterol, containing around about 300 mg per egg. 
The 1960s was the first time that consumers were told to limit or avoid eggs, despite a lack of research at that time on whether eggs themselves elevated blood cholesterol. Eggs have become a symbol of the negative aspects of the American diet, and fear among the American population of eating eggs may be resulting from a lack of consensus in the scientific community, as well as the widespread marketing of low cholesterol foods. We now know that dietary cholesterol doesn't really affect blood cholesterol, except in the few people we call hyperresponsible. To find out a bit more about this quite complex topic, go back and listen to the HVMM podcast episode featuring Dave Feldman. We reference this episode a bunch because Dave is truly encyclopedic on this topic. Most of us can tolerate eggs and dietary cholesterol just fine. Genetics is actually one of the key factors that determines our blood cholesterol levels. If you have a diet that is high in certain types of fat, that can affect your cholesterol. But most people who eat well and have an elevated level of blood cholesterol anyhow have livers that just make too much cholesterol. This is hereditary, so if your parents had high cholesterol, you're more likely to have it too. Okay, so I don't want to get too deep into the weeds of dietary cholesterol and how it affects our health. We could talk for hours about that. Let's get on to unpacking the study behind the latest batch of inexcusable headlines. The study in question was published in a well-respected journal called JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association. The paper is called Associations of Dietary Cholesterol or Egg Consumption with Incident Cardiovascular Disease and Mortality. The key reported findings of this paper that led to all those hysterical headlines were that each additional 300 milligrams of dietary cholesterol a day, or less than that of two egg yolks, was associated with a 3.2% higher risk of cardiovascular disease and a 4.4% increase in a risk of death or cause mortality. When egg consumption specifically was looked at, each half an egg extra per day consumed increased cardiovascular risk by 1.1% and all-cause mortality by 1.9%. So this needs unpicking a little bit. First, that risk increase is the risk of death over the maximum length of follow-up, which was about 30 years, 31.3 to be exact. So imagine 100 people like those in the cohorts that were studied. They weren't all followed up for 30 years, but a very rough ballpark figure calculated from numbers given in the research paper indicates that somewhere around 38 of them would have died if they'd been followed up for 30 years. Indeed, that's likely to be an underestimate. 30 years is a long time, and in some of the cohorts that were studied, the people involved were not young to begin with. If all of these people ate an extra half an egg a day, then the number who would die in 30 years would go up from 38 to around 40. Yes, an increase, but not really a large one. And we can't be sure that it's the eggs or the cholesterol in the eggs that's causing it. Let's backtrack a little bit. I realize I've gone a little bit ahead there and look at how dietary intake was measured during this study. The study was a meta-analysis, which means it pulled the results of six prospective cohort studies from the US. The combined six studies involved just under 30,000 adults, 45% of them were men, with an average age of 51.6. During the average follow-up of 17.5 years, there were 5,400 cardiovascular disease events and 6,132 all-cause deaths. If the deaths do seem high, the longest period of follow-up was 31 years, and many people would have been pensioners at the start of the study. People were interviewed about their diets once, at the very start of the study, but not again after that. Now this is the genesis of many of the criticisms being raised against this study. That questionnaire format for determining dietary intake is far from ideal. Try and imagine now that you get a question that asks you how many apples you've eaten in the last 12 months. And it's a multiple choice question. Who actually knows how many apples they've eaten in the last year, unless you're a carnivore, in which case you've eaten none. 
None of the possible choices are, I don't remember or I don't know. So people tend to just wildly guess. This guesswork nature of the questionnaire is reflected in the estimated energy intake from the questionnaire in this study, which in the lowest dietary cholesterol group was one third that in the highest cholesterol group, suggesting quite a big amount of inaccuracy. Maybe people weren't eating more eggs or dietary cholesterol, they were just more honest about it or better at recalling their food intake. Not only all of this, but the questionnaire was only completed once at the start of the study, and therefore it doesn't account for the real chance that people's diets change substantially over the follow-up period. I know I eat a lot differently than I did 17 years ago, and I imagine that you do too. To be fair to the researchers, they do acknowledge the questionnaire format and the number of repeats as a limitation in their discussion, but hopefully you can see that this certainly influences the strength of the conclusions that can be drawn from this research. What about other issues? Firstly, the study population is based in America, so non-US citizens should ignore any findings as you haven't been studied, and results from specific population studies are generally non-generalizable. Next up, while the study did statistically control for some lifestyle factors such as activity levels, smoking, and alcohol use, it did not look at other key factors such as socioeconomic status and stress levels. Again, the authors acknowledged this, saying residual confounding was likely. These other factors can clearly also have an impact on someone's risk of a heart attack. As we all know, and we can say time and time again, correlation does not equal causation, but the popular media prefer to ignore this nuance. Now, a similar study that had completely opposite results was published in the BMJ, British Medical Journal in 2013. This study was titled, Egg Consumption and Risk of Coronary Heart Disease and Stroke dose-response meta-analysis of prospective cohort studies. In this study, a group of researchers from China and Boston performed a meta-analysis of eight studies that included over 250,000 participants studied for the occurrence of coronary heart disease and over 210,000 participants studied for stroke and then followed those participants for eight to 22 years. In this large analysis, the authors found no evidence for an association between egg consumption and either coronary heart disease or stroke. This study shares many of the similar problems to the first one we discussed. The cohorts used in the comparison coming from the USA and Japan, limiting generalizability, and also the fact that questionnaires were used again to measure intake. However, in at least four of the eight studies here, the researchers used repeated measurements of diet with the questionnaire, which is a significant strength over the study we discussed first. The relative risk of coronary heart disease for adding one egg extra per day was almost exactly one, which means that there was no difference. And the relative risk for stroke of adding one egg per day was 0.91, so nearly one again, meaning no difference. However, an increased risk for coronary heart disease was observed in a subgroup of patients with diabetes in the group of participants with the highest egg consumption compared with those with the lowest consumption. The relative risk was 1.54 here, meaning 50% higher. No similar increase in the risk of stroke was observed in this group. In fact, there was actually a protective effect against a specific type of stroke called hemorrhagic stroke, and that was seen in those with the highest egg consumption. Here, the relative risk was 0.75, meaning 25% less. So all in all, a less alarming picture, but certainly not a coherent association with eggs and poor health. The authors concluded that the findings of their meta-analyses do not support a positive association between egg consumption, cardiovascular disease outcomes in the general population. Okay, so it is pretty clear that it's kind of hard to draw firm conclusions on health risks and what you should be eating from this type of study. You can see that the interaction between nutrition and disease is a very difficult area to research and no single study is going to settle things. 
the way to proceed is to look systematically across many different studies in different contexts, for example, different countries, different timescales, um, interventional studies, and so on. Doubtless that will eventually be done, but obviously a review of that kind that includes this new study hasn't yet been completed. It makes sense why some people might be concerned about eating eggs, but getting worried about an extra half an egg a day is verging on extreme, pardon the pun. It's almost too easy at this point. I had a lot of fun preparing this episode. Eggs are a nutritious food, and whilst this study focuses on the amount we're eating, it is really important actually to pay attention to how the eggs are cooked and the trimmings that come with them. For example, poached eggs could be a better choice than egg-dipped French toast covered in maple syrup. Another factor that you might be interested to consider is that there are different types of eggs with the metabolic effects of these different types being fairly material. This is the subject of the last paper we'll discuss today, which was published in 1991, the year I was born, in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. The paper is called Eggs Enriched in Omega-3 Fatty Acid and Alterations in Lipid Concentrations in Plasma and Lipoproteins and in Blood Pressure. For context, you can buy eggs from hens that have been raised in different ways. Conventional eggs are your standard supermarket eggs. The hens that lay these are usually fed grain supplemented with vitamins and minerals. Another type of eggs are called omega-3 enriched eggs. The hens laying here are like conventional chickens except that their feed is supplemented with an omega-3 source, like flax seeds. In this study, the effects of dietary eggs enriched with omega-3 fatty acids on lipid concentrations in plasma, lipoproteins and blood pressure were determined in 11 men and women in two groups. Group one consumed four omega-3 fatty acid eggs per day during the first four-week block and four control eggs per day in the second four-week block, and group two ate the same number of eggs but just in the reverse order. Now these eggs were consumed in addition to the participants' normal diet. What were the results? Mean plasma cholesterol concentration was significantly increased by adding control eggs to the diet, but unchanged by omega-3 eggs. Similarly, mean plasma triglyceride concentration was decreased by omega-3 eggs, but increased by control eggs. The authors suggest that eggs enriched in omega-3 fatty acids could be a good substitute for oily fish in people's diets. Ultimately, they conclude that the omega-3 eggs may actually be more healthful than the control eggs. So, again, we can see that there's plenty of nuance to consider before cutting out eggs. What is the rest of your diet like? What are your other risk factors to your health that you might be able to address and make more of a difference? What type of eggs are you eating? How many are you eating? The list goes on and on and on. My takeaway messages for this week are, number one, take nutritional epidemiology studies with a very big pinch of salt and absolutely don't take what the media says at face value. Number two, consuming eggs in moderation is really likely nothing to be worried about as part of the big picture of factors that contribute to our health. Eggs are such a good source of other nutrients and are so convenient that I'd really strongly advocate for keeping some in stock at all times so you can whip up a quick and easy meal, which is much better than the alternative of a microwave ready meal. That is all for this week, folks. I am exhausted now. As always, please write in to podcast at hvmn.com with any questions, topic suggestions, feedback. Jeffrey Wu and I are planning on recording a special Q&A episode, so far away, hit us with your best shot. Thanks for tuning in, and if you enjoyed this episode, please comment below and subscribe to our channel. Until next time, train hard, look after yourself, and live well.